Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. We're in a series of messages called You Can Change the World, You Can Change Your Life. It's a series on prayer. And I'm serious about that, man. You can change your life and you can change other lives. You can change the world. If you remember last week, we began this series and looked at the God we pray to, the one true God, the only God. God is a trinity. He is triune. There are three distinct persons in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but just one God. Don't try and figure it out. No one ever has. How can one plus one plus one equal one? In our math, it doesn't jive, but in God's math, it does. And God is a just God. You know what it means that God is just? It means he's got to deal with sin. He, he, God, I said this last week, but you got to know this. God just can't turn his head the other way and say, oh, I love you, my child, so much. I'll just ignore your sin. God can't do that. Not and be just. God has to reward righteousness, and he's got to punish sin. And God really did punish your sin. He really did punish your sin. Last week, I got upset with some little thing Cheryl said, and so I avoided her all day, and I pouted all day. You know, poor offended little me. And um, God punished that sin. He did. And he punished all my sins, and he punished all your sins. He really did punish them, but he never punished you. That's the big deal. He put all those sins in his son. This is such a simple, beautiful gospel. He, how did he do it? I mean, how did all my sins get in the body of his son? That, that's Isaiah 53. God just laid my and your iniquity on his son and poured out his wrath on him when he turned the son off. Jesus died for your sins. See, I should have been on that cross. You should have been on that cross. But you and me weren't on that cross. Jesus Christ was on that cross. And that's what God the Father did. And that's what God the Son did. He accepted your sin. And that's the God we pray to, man. I told you last week, too, I had been to the Creation Museum in Kentucky a few weeks ago. And I, just, I was just blown away by that whole deal. You know, I, I think about the distance between stars. How many, mil, between every star, millions of light years away. And in our galaxy alone, this Milky Way, there's billions of stars, millions of light years apart, and there's billions of galaxies, and God made it all, and he is bigger than his creation, and there is nothing he cannot do. I mean, how do I even conceive of that? Wow. And that's the God we pray to, folks. That limitless power, limitless love. He's also got perfect wisdom. God knows everything. He knows everything you're thinking right now. He's also righteous, and he'll do the right thing. Then he's good. God is good. And he'll never do anything, anything that, 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 that's not in your best interest. And he's faithful to every one of his promises. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open unto you. You got a command, ask, seek and knock. You got a promise, it'll be given to you. Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. There's the command. I will deliver you. There's the promise and you will honor or glorify me, see? Command and promise, command and promise. And God is faithful to answer those prayers. And folks, I'll tell you, that's the God we connect with. The last couple of weeks I've been studying and reading Psalms 50 to 60. Now you gotta remember who the human author of Psalms 50 to 60 is, this guy David. And David is a warrior and he's got men following him, he's got armies, he's a king. I'm looking at Psalm um, 55 verse one. Psalm 55 verse one, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. Psalm 54 verse one, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. I mean, this guy's a king, a warrior, an army at his disposal. Look at Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. 
I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. Psalm 61, verse 1, hear my cry, O God, he cries out to God. Listen to my what? My prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart, my heart grows faint. This is a king warrior with the whole army. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. See, folks, there is a message there. God's sending us a message. You cannot handle life on your own. Now look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus Christ comes down off a mountain with his disciples, or some of his disciples. And this guy comes up to him. When they came to the crowd... A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And I'm bringing him to you, man. This guy was desperate. This guy was honestly desperate. Folks, sometimes when we come to God, we have to be desperate. Are you ever desperate when you come to God? That means you understand your own weakness. I think about blind Bartimaeus. He's a blind guy and he cries out from the back of a very shouting loud crowd. He says, Lord, have mercy upon me. And there's all these people around blind Bartimaeus. He said, oh, be quiet. He can't hear you. There's too much noise. And besides, what would he want with the likes of you? They said something like that to him. But Jesus heard this guy. He kept crying. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me. And Jesus stops. I love this story. He stops dead in his tracks. He just, he listens. He hears this guy way back there. And he says, clear a path, you know? And they clear a path. And there's Bartimaeus. And he says, bring the guy to me. That's the kind of a heart God wants. You got to think about this. God may have to break us, man. He may have to break our pride. So we come to him in prayer, broken you got to come to him in prayer broken, actually needing him. You just don't pray to blow God off. you got to come broken, baby. God's going to make stuff happen in your life to break you, to break your pride. You have to come needing him. The Apostle Paul came to God broken. Our major text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because Paul was very successful. He had gone on three different missionary journeys, and he went through a lot of stuff, a lot of suffering to start these churches, but on three different missionaries, he started a bunch of thriving, flourishing churches. Like I said, he was very successful, and at one point in his life, God took him not in his body. This is 2 Corinthians 12. He took him not in his body, but in his spirit. God took the apostle Paul in his spirit for a very brief time to heaven. And while he was in heaven, in his spirit, not in his body, um, Paul heard inexpressible things, and I read this, he said, I don't know, but God knows that I was caught up to paradise. Now listen, he's speaking in the third person. He says, he heard, meaning himself, inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. He heard inexpressible things, okay? So here's what's going on here with this great apostle Paul. He had left a trail of thriving churches. How many thousands of people were confessing Christ as Savior because of him? His impact on changing the world is almost beyond measure. And he had been in heaven itself and heard the voice of God and maybe even saw the person of God. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. This is verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12. To keep me from becoming conceited. Because of all this success, I, I, I'm adding that, and because of these surpassingly great revelations that he had during that brief time he was in heaven, listen to this, there is given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me and to keep Paul humble. 
God gave him that thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. What the thorn in the flesh was, we don't know. But then Paul says in verse 8, three times I, three times, look at this word, I've got this circled. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That doesn't just mean he prayed three times. You see, I see Paul going on a month-long fast on three different occasions. I see Paul saying, lock me in this room, bring me water occasionally, but I'm going to go, I'm fast, I'm going to mourn, I'm going to pray. He's on his face before God. He's got his Bible. He just three, on three different month-long occasions like that, He's just on his face before God, crying out to God and say, take this thing away. And what did God say? This is verse 8, 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect or made complete in your weakness. And then look at verse 9. Therefore, Paul, I love this. Paul said, I'm going to boast all the more. If I boast, I'm going to boast all, well, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my what? About my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. He's boasting about his weakness. I mean, what's God, what did God just say? He said that when you're the weakest, you're the strongest. See, we don't think like that. When you are emptied of self and you are the weakest, you are the strongest. One more time. When you are the weakest, you are the strongest. Now look at verse 10. Here comes our memory passage for today. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. How many of us can say this? This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Now memorize this. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. See, most of us don't think like that. Most people can't understand real Christianity. I mean, real believers boast in their weakness. I think how many times I've faced some issue and God said, and I said to God, God, I'm incapable of handling this. And, and, and I don't say this proudly, folks. I'm not kidding you. But I see this church grow. I see good things happening here. And when I see all this stuff happening, I say, Lord, I'm inadequate to handle this. And um, I've discovered in my life that when I sense my own inadequacy, that's when strength and wisdom just kind of surges through me. That's when Jesus Christ lives his life through me. And um, real power takes over in us, and that's power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this message is about. It's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God himself, and he is the Spirit of God, is the power in every believer. When you empty yourself of self, he is the power that takes over. He is not some undefined power like, like the power that's supposedly in every person. He is the power of God, the person of God in you. Does anybody here remember the time you came to faith? When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I thought about this one lady. Her name was Sally. And this happened when I was a pastor at Peace Lutheran Church on 24 Mile Road. On Mondays, we would go out in teams of two or three, and we'd go into neighborhoods, neighborhoods around the church, and ask people and talk to people about Christ. And we went to Sally's house, and we said to Sally, you know, just knocked the door, three of us, and said, um, we're from the church across the street, and can we come into your house for a few minutes? And she was receptive, because a lot of those people said, no, I don't want to talk to you. But, but Sally was very receptive. We went into her house. And I said, can we ask you a couple of questions? And this is very personal. And so she said, go ahead. And we asked her, if you were to die tonight, I asked her this question, if you, if you were to die tonight, Sally, do you think you'd go to heaven? And at that point, I could see tears forming in her eyes. And then I asked her another question. I said, Sally, j j just pretend it's, 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 it's the day the Lord comes again. It's the day of judgment. And, and you and Jesus are all alone. And Jesus should say to you, Sally, you want to come into my heaven, Right. Give me a reason. Why should I let you into my heaven? Sally, what would you say? That's what I said to her. And then her, um, her voice trembled. And she, she said, I don't know. 
And then the two other people I was with just explained the simple gospel so beautifully. And Sally cried. She just cried. I can still see the tears coming out of her face. She's just, out of her eyes. She just said, she just said, that's what I wanted to hear all my life. And we stayed for about an hour to an hour and a half after that. But see, when Sally received the Lord, four things happened to Sally. Four things happened. Thing number one that happened to Sally, God forgave every sin she ever sinned. Thing number two that happened to Sally, God gave her the gift of eternal life. Sally was now God's forever. Third thing that happened to Sally is at that moment, God gave her a spiritual gift or a gift to use at a church in a body of Christ. And above all, the fourth thing that happened, God the Father in heaven placed in Sally and in you and me when we come to faith the Holy Spirit. When you place your faith in Christ Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives where? Inside you, and he, the power of God in you, and he changes you. And here's the big deal. He works inside you, inside you, inside you. That's where the Spirit works. 1 Corinthians 6, this is verse 19. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Where is he? Who is in you? whom you have received from God the Father, and you are not your own. So you want to know the kind of power the Holy Spirit has? He is God, man. What kind of power does the Holy Spirit have? He has all power. The Holy Spirit has all power. He has all power because he's God. And guess where he's living? He's living in you. I look at the second verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. reads like this. Now the earth was formless and void or empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep because there was just water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Know what that means? It means God the Father is the mastermind of creation. The Father designed it. The Father designed the whole thing. The perfect, the perfect design of nature is God the Father. Jesus Christ the Son commanded it or spoke it into being. But God the Holy Spirit actually created it. It's God the Holy Spirit who actually took nothing. And that's an oxymoron. How can you take nothing? But God the Holy Spirit actually took nothing. And from nothing, it's God the Holy Spirit who took nothing and created something. Light, water, stars, galaxy, earth, matter, air, everything. The Spirit made it. The Father decided, Jesus spoke it into being, and the Spirit actually created it. And He is in you. That Holy Spirit is in you if, and this is a big, big if, if you believe in Jesus Christ and trust Him alone and nothing you can do as your Savior. Hey, think about this. Jesus rises from the dead. He ascends back into heaven. So where are his disciples? They're locked in this room. They're locked in this room because he told them to go wait in that room for the Holy Spirit. But man, they're afraid. They said they killed Jesus who rose from the dead. But we're next. They're going to come and kill us. And then in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are filled with God the Holy Spirit. Now they change. Now they get bold. Now these disciples leave that room in Acts chapter 2, and they go out into this hostile crowd, and they say, and I'm paraphrasing this, this Jesus man is the best thing that ever happened to you, and you killed him. You killed the prince of life, you nutheads. Doesn't say you nutheads. Kind of implies it, though. That's Acts 3.13. You killed the prince of life, but God the Father raised him from the dead. And you see, I mean, see the change of these guys, man? Now they're bold. It's a change where? On the inside. That's the power of the Spirit. God the Father in heaven wants us to understand what we got going for us. And that's why he wrote through Paul in, a, in, in Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. This is the inspired word of God. This is Paul's heart for his church and God's heart for us. In, in, in Ephesians 3.16, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, God the Father, may strengthen you with what? With power. He wants you to understand the power in you through the Holy Spirit. 
He's the power in you. Where? In your inner being. And when you understand that the Holy Spirit is living in you and what you got going for you as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, folks, you are going to see some really, really, really significant changes in your life. I mean, they will not just be, they will be significant changes. They're going to be real big deals to you. And this is where prayer comes in. It's a series on prayer called Change the World, Change Your Life. Here's where all this is going. I mean, this is the principle that will change your life and change the world around you. We need to come to God broken like Paul did, man, in 2 Corinthians 12. Whatever this thorn in the flesh was, I have no idea it was. It was a constant thing that kept him humble. It may have been physical. It may have been a person that harassed him all the time because the Bible says it was a messenger of Satan to torment him. And in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Three times I pleaded, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, man. He's in a room by himself a month at a time, maybe six weeks, maybe two months at a time, on his face with scripture, fasting, no food. He's getting scrawny, mourning over his sin, saying, oh Lord, please take this away from me. And the same answer kept coming through. My grace, you apply this to yourself. You keep asking God to take it away. And the same answer comes through, baby, I'll tell you. My grace, my grace, my grace is sufficient. My grace will get you through this deal and my power is made perfect, and that means complete, in your weakness, in your weakness. That is a paradox. A paradox is when two things are contradictory or so on. I don't even know what it means, but here's the paradox. <laughs> in your weakness, you are strong. Please listen, folks. If you want to change your life and you want to change the world around you, you need to understand, you need to own up to this, that we're fallen sinners. And because of our fallen nature, we can't. And that's a nasty word to, in our culture today. We can't. We can't achieve God's purpose for us, man. I, I can't obey God. I can't obey God and produce fruit without the Holy Spirit. I can't obey his word. I can't think his thoughts. I can't say his words. I can't do his works. We have to admit, without him, I'm helpless. You've got to say that. We have to want him. We have to need him. And when we are empty of our own strength, and that, see, when you're empty, that's when his power, the power of what? The Holy Spirit inside you fills you and takes over, and that's when we become strong. See, now God's moving and working inside you and me. Again, that is the power of God, the Holy Spirit, actually in you. But we need to come to God owning that. We need to come to God accepting our weakness, admitting it broken, fractured. You name the word. The Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write 2 Corinthians 12, 10. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I love this. I will boast all the more gladly about my what? Weaknesses. Who's going to boast about their weakness? You know, Paul said, look at all these churches I started. Look at all the changed lives. That wasn't me, he said. That was him. If I got to boast, I'll boast in him. You got to boast in him. Could you have really raised your kids in your own strength? I couldn't. Cheryl and I made a lot of mistakes, Ben, but we held those kids before the Lord with all our mistakes, and we held those kids before the Lord to take those mistakes and do what only he can do, turn them around to his glory. And how does God take my mistakes and whatever I do, like raising our kids or whatever you do, like raising your kids, he takes it by the power of his Holy Spirit. He hears your prayer and he works inside those kids' hearts. You think of any achievement you have right now, anyone, you pick it, note it, write it down. In your strength, come on. Will we ever get to the point of 2 Corinthians 12, if I'm going to boast, I will boast in my weakness.
First thought, as it relates to prayer, you have to invite the Holy Spirit into your prayers before you begin praying. Man, you gotta do this. This is about prayer. Before you begin praying, invite the Holy Spirit into your prayers. Pray to God the Father. Say, Father, please, please, by your Spirit, direct my prayers, okay? And most of us have a prayer agenda, but within that agenda, see, the Spirit will direct your heart where the Father wants it to go. How often I pray. And I do have a prayer agenda. I got a format I follow in my own mind. Okay, I do that. But within that format, my own agenda, the Spirit just moves me to people and circumstances that I just need to pray for. Okay, pray for the Spirit to work in here. Pray for the Spirit to enlighten you in the Word. I'll read this thing and I said, you know, I can't get this. Oh, Lord, just help me to understand this. And then I got to maybe study it a little bit. But man, God will open it up to me. That's the Holy Spirit. Here's another thing. When you confess your sins, and this is huge, ask the Father by the Holy Spirit to, to, to reveal areas of sin in your life. Because man, you, you, you don't see it. And you're in prayer, man. You're before the Lord, man. And you ask the, you ask the Lord by his Holy Spirit inside you, inside you, to reveal your sins and say, especially attitudes and motives. Because if you can change in here, what you say and what you do will change. Father, what sins do I, I need to confess? Show me. I'll tell you, reveal that to me. And he will, by his spirit. We all need that. Yeah. Here's something else, man. You got to pray for disciplines. Where do you need discipline in your life? You fill in the blanks here. I mean, you need discipline. Here's something you need discipline for. Time to set aside, time to pray, time to study the Bible. Uh, time to pray meaningful prayers from the heart where you don't blow God off just to get it done. You need discipline not to watch TV. I'll tell you what you need discipline for. To spend 10 hours a week less on the internet. 10 hours a week less on the internet. Uh, and not to waste your life playing computer games by yourself behind a closed door in some room. You need discipline for that. I mean, computers, alcohol, drugs, porn, food. I mean, they all, they all demand discipline. And you have no strength. I'll tell you, I am a grazer. I open the refrigerator 40 times a day. I checked the hinges not too long ago. Man, they're getting, they're getting weak, you know? <laughs> I mean, for that stuff like that, I need, you need discipline. And you, you're going you, to lose those battles unless you come to the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, in prayer and do what Paul did. He used the word plead. I pleaded, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, with God to take this away. He knew his limitations. Why don't you plead with God the Father to help you by the power of the Spirit in all those things you want to conquer. You cannot, I want to stand here to tell you, baby, you cannot conquer it in your own flesh. And then when you see the progress, when you see the progress, you will boast in your weakness. With Paul, you will boast in your weakness. Maybe right now there's some people here who get this sense. I want that power. I want more in my life. I want a relationship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And when I come into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want that power of the Spirit working in me so I can please God, my Father in heaven. I want to tell you something. If you're willing to accept, remember where's the Spirit work inside you, right? If you're willing to accept the changes that God the Father is going to bring about in your life when you come to Christ by the Holy Spirit and accept the saving work of Christ, if you're willing to do that and um, to just give up your stupid pride, you know, that can happen right now. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's close our eyes for a minute. And if you're ready to eat your pride and admit, I can't earn my salvation, my works will amount to zilch as far as heaven goes and accept Jesus Christ, just, just kind of close your eyes and raise your hand. I just want to see if there's anybody. One, two. Yeah, two. Okay. Okay. 
That's good. Let's just look up again. There's people up here to pray with you. My wife is here. And if you today are really serious about that, you want to just um, eat your pride and allow the Spirit to change you. And hey, I'm not going to make any bones about this, man. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ is a, it's a wonderful thing. A lot of interchanges go, but man, you've got to make a lot of sacrifice. It ain't no picnic. There's a lot of changes that go on in your life. If you're ready to make those changes and let the Spirit work through you, then you come here, people will pray with you. And so today we've seen from God's Word, to admit I can't or boast in weakness flies in the face of our culture. Not many parents tell their kids in your own strength, you're never going to do this. You know, no, parents say, set your mind to it, work hard. You can be anything you want to. That's the culture we live in. So listen, folks, today we are dealing with a whole new way of thinking, an absolute new way of thinking. We saw David, who's a warrior and a king. He had a whole army at his disposal, and we saw him cry out to God. We saw the real power in every believer, the Holy Spirit. He made everything from nothing, and he lives inside you with unlimited power. Every believer, that is. We just, don't, uh, we just don't think like that. We need to think about how the Spirit works inside us, conforming us to the image of Christ himself. We need to dwell on this like Paul. In our weakness, broken, humble, emptied of self, the Spirit's power takes over. And in that weakness, we are really, really strong. It is a whole new way of thinking. And the Spirit works through us. Um, and as the Spirit works through us, we can say with Paul, if I boast... I will boast in my weakness, which is unheard of. When we pray, we ask for the Spirit's grace to pray. To practice disciplines, we ask for the Spirit's grace. To be a servant, we ask for the Spirit's grace. To humble yourself, to say with godly pride, when I am weak, then I am strong. We ask for the Spirit's grace. I pray that these words will be a blessing unto you. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.